0: hello welcome to the cosmic eye show this is our sunday show and we are talking today about ritual Uh, primarily we're going to be pulling from manly hall's uh, the psychology of religious ritual pamphlet it's a lecture by manly p hall uh, as well as uh, some stuff from ritual power healing and community by molly doma somay and i've got this book magical ritual methods by william gray uh chris does not have access to either of those books so i'll be pulling spare, sparingly from them but i got a couple of, of quotes that i wanted to share from those uh we wanted to thank you for joining us on the cosmic eye show each week we're here on sunday with our longer show and then on friday we have our emmett fox friday show it's a little shorter kind of a as i like to call it a little spiritual vitamin type show to uh you know break down one kind of one idea from new thought and really uh drive it home really practically for you to be able to use uh, to live a better life. And of course, on this Cosmic Eyes show, what we're trying to do is is look at mythology and religion and spirituality uh, from a different angle. We're trying to find the archetypal truths behind uh, some of these differences. We focused on the differences uh, so much in the academic world and the media and so on. We're trying to create some more harmony, find the unity behind uh, some of these different ideas, which once we look into them, we find are not so different after all. So, Thank you for joining us. Thank you for supporting the show as well. We're at anchor.fm slash Cosmic Eye. I'm your host, Jason Napolitano. I have on the line, Chris Sheridan. How are you doing today, Chris? Is everything good out there? Everything is good out here and And in here. And in here, (laughs) as as it were. Outer and inner. (laughs) And that's what we're going to be talking about today with rituals. So I guess we should probably just jump right into it.
1: well, this pamphlet uh, you know, published in the 50s was a lecture uh, given by Manley P. Hall. Uh, I know we've talked a lot about his works and everything. It's hard to just jump right in here, but yeah, just nice to put some place. context on it. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been a, uh, a Sunday, Sunday morning lecture. I think it was March 6th, 1955. Um, but as anything that's timeless, uh, wisdom, like archetypal rituals, um, there is no date on it, so um, but this was uh, one talk that he gave in one shot is about an hour and a half, and it is so rich with details and specifics um, If we had three hours we couldn 't even cover this hour and a half so yeah <laughs> uh, that 's just kind of the nature of this but uh, uh I just wanted to put a little context yeah, on, no, thank you. you know where this source you know came from, and mm-hmm. um, we 're going to uh talk about it from that point of view, I guess, as a a launching off point.
0: That's a great point. And, you know, I I think pointing out the fact that this was one of the Sunday lectures, actually, uh, you know, Manley all did create, although neither of us got to see him, he passed before we went through there, but he did create a sort of an environment where it was almost like a, like a church service, like a non-sectarian church service that people would, uh, that people would attend And there was you know kind of a format to it and a a meeting and greeting type situation that occurred and so on so he was even using uh you know using ritual to to a you know in a simplified way but getting getting the message across in a sort of ritualized ritualized way and we you know we need that and i think that's one of the challenges we're going to be talking more about this as as we get into the the show but you know why we thought that it was important to do this show at least i i don't want to speak for you but Um, One of the reasons I thought it was really important to do this show on ritual is it's one of these things like that we think is, I think, somewhat antiquated or maybe something that we don't need anymore, something that's, you know, from a different time and place, something like this. And I think that, you know, when a a society gets that idea, it's in a kind of a, a bad place because, I mean, this is something we need as human beings. Ritual is something that's as old as, you know, human history. And you know our rituals have changed over time, and how we define those rituals has certainly has certainly also changed. But the basic idea of ritual in terms of a you know kind of a gathering to get together to to sort of honor or you know kind of create a a space, a sacred space, and then you know work with the the gods or the spirits or the ancestors or nature or some sort of aspect of, you know, the divine Um, and to connect with that part of ourselves within that, that needs that, you know, it's, it's, I think we're, we're in a place where we've, you know, we've, we've lost some of that connection because we've sort of gotten away from ritual as some sort of antiquated thing. Of course, you know this you know modern times we move on and rituals change, but what we're really going to kind of talk about today is you know is some of the archetypal elements of ritual and and we'll we'll even try to get into some ideas for how you can incorporate ritual into your own life and how you might you might find a way into it um, you know if you're if you haven't experienced that kind of thing before I just want to read something really quick here that I think is important to to recognize um and this is just uh, this is a this is a quote from this book from uh, Ritual he- Power Healing and Community, Mali Doma Patrice Somé S O M E, and uh, he's one of these African elders. He's from the Dagara tribe in uh, West Africa, and he shares his experiences. He's still pretty popular. He was more popular in the '90s and the early 2000s, uh, but he's still a very relevant and powerful teacher. Uh, he says, where ritual is absent, the young ones are restless or violent, there are no real elders, and the grown ups are bewildered. The future is dim. And you know, I, you think about that, and you think about the situation we find ourselves in in this modern world, and you look at that, and you think, well, we definitely are in a situation where there are no real elders, the grown ups are bewildered, and you know, the young ones are restless and violent at times. Uh, mostly restless, not as violent as, as certainly as previous generations. Thankfully, um, but let me let me read something else really quick here. So he talks about this this you know this is kind of getting into specifics a little bit soon, but but I just want to frame this. So he talks about how speed in our society, you know, the fast pace of our society is a is one of the challenges with creating ritual for ourselves or even taking time to get to know ourselves or to, you know, realize that there is some sort of cosmic order that we're a part of. And so I'm, I'm quoting here from his book. Thus, speed is a way to prevent ourselves from having to deal with something we do not want to face. So we run from these symptoms and their sources that are not nice to look at. To be able to face our fears, we must remember how to perform ritual. To remember how to perform ritual, we must slow down. We must slow down. So, you know, in the ancient world and indigenous world, the idea, and this is true in the the ancient world of, you know, West Western Europe as well. The idea was that there's the, this cosmic order that exists and it's populated by divinities and gods and different forces of nature and so on. And we as human beings perform ritual and, you know, live religious lives and, you know, study and you know go through these dramas of initiation and so on so that we can put ourselves in alignment with that cosmic order with that divine order you know and so problems were seen in the ancient world and still are seen in the indigenous world even today and you can see this still in afro-caribbean culture afro-atlantic religion and so on the idea that when something is out of out of order with the with, this, with the spirit world, with the world of spirit or ancestors or the Rishas or, you know, whatever formulation that particular religion uses, then then something has to be done, ritually speaking to put yourself back in order with that. And I think we've, we've lost that idea and we've lost that connection because we don't necessarily see the cosmic order in things anymore in our modern world. We, we look at things objectively and quote unquote scientifically and materialistically but here's the thing, we forget that that itself is a worldview. That idea that there is this objective world out there and we can figure it out through science is a worldview. And it's been a powerful worldview that shaped technology and it's turned us into what we are today. But it's still a worldview nonetheless. And it doesn't mean that these other worldviews don't still hold credence and that there isn't a spiritual world. Just because we've discovered you know, this technology and these objective ways of dealing with material does not mean that there is no spiritual world that's the thing people have to remember just because you can't see it with a microscope or a telescope doesn't mean it doesn't exist so you know do do you think that's one of the problems today that people lack a like a, a structure and a mythology and a sort of sense that they're they have a place in cosmic order and that maybe distances them from from ritual and distances them from certain religious ideas and so on
1: well, everything has. Yes, I think it's uh, in a word. Yes, uh, we've become disconnected with so many aspects of really what is our actual life and our lives mm-hmm. with nature, even though we may, you know, rally and, and protest against climate change and the fossil fuel and um, say this, even if maybe we do eat vegan or, you know, make some other choices Um you know, there's still not a collective ritual that connects us with nature. Uh, there, We've been disconnected with ourselves and, and, you know, technology. Yes, you can blame uh, civilization, uh, industrialization, mechanization, all these things, uh, the distractions this fast pace, um, but however it's happened, I wouldn't blame those things so much because it's still possible to get back on track. And some of these tools could actually be used if directed in such a way uh, to help facilitate uh, maybe a new ritual. I think you know because of this scientific worldview, like this objective uh, paradigm that you're uh, describing, um, it's something out there. Oh, that was something then. Oh, this culture in this place at this time used to worship you know, pelicans or something, you know, um, or pray for rain or do a dance or something. And um, all these Greek gods, uh, the whole Hindu pantheon of, you know, there's just all this, even all the saints and the Catholic and the, you know, there's just, there's even the religion itself has become so, um, you know, fragmented in all these different things. But the whole point of all these rituals, even back then, and especially back then, uh, which is why they're especially needed now. We're to connect ourselves, our individual personal selves, in a meaningful way through a ritual that we're actually experiencing something, or at least witnessing something amazing, um, that connects us with nature, that connects us with forces, that connects us with um, death and the afterlife and our ancestors and and where we may go when we depart. Uh, Connects us with philosophic ideals that we can build society and uh, culture and civilization with um, yeah and all these different gods and goddesses of the greeks um were and they knew that and i think depending on how far initiated you were maybe the degree to which you knew that but i think even the average person knew that these were all parts of themselves you know venus was a you know the loving part in me you know aries or mars was the warring part of my you know mind um you know the heart associated with, you know, a deity or a place, uh, or a sacred monument or natural, you know, a cliff or something or a mountain that, um, that really, you know, connects you with that. Yeah, so I think we've we've lost that. And these really aren't separate things and antiquated, we can see all oh, well, of that silly, you know, worshiping whales and, and things well, it's because they're a fishing culture, and they're primitive. Um, what does that have to do with living in you know, high rise in downtown LA? um i don't know but maybe it should <laughs> and it's because we've become disconnected with those those things not just nature but those parts of ourselves mm-hmm. um that it's all become externalized those gods and goddesses were meant to help us internalize and have an experience inside by worshiping these things outside yeah so yeah and i think uh, and go, go ahead Oh I mean we've even lost touch with with that's what these the purpose of these things, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah uh, we've sense. redefined you know what these rituals and what these worship uh you know these gods and goddesses you know may have been um why they how they were used uh, how they functioned in society and and with the individual maybe we i think we've lost touch with that, so yeah there's a lot of restructuring i don't mean to get long winded about that, but um it's those rituals were meant to connect us with these invisible forces that affect our lives inside and out, mm-hmm. and because we've been disconnected with that, we, we're disconnected with ourselves.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, you think, you know, people think that well, you know, we're just we're just personifying and we're just anthropomorphizing these different ideas, and it's a primitive way of looking at things and all that. But the thing about it is really that you know, if you look at these forces and you look at these these gods and god images and divinities you know they're they're they are a projection jung would say of something within ourselves but they also exist ob- objectively as well and and there's a there is a correlation between that's the you know in the collective unconscious and the archetypal world there is you know patterns of of these ideas You know, and the idea of the archetype is that there's this underlying structure of something that, you know, we can't really get at and we can't really explain with words, so we try to we try to show it symbolically. And of course if we're, you know, trying to show truth, spiritual truths and mysteries symbolically, we're gonna reflect them through our own experience and that is our own humanity and our own psyche, right? So you know, which is not to say that these things don't exist and they're not real or was just making them up, but there's this sort of correlation that exists between this energy and ourselves, there's something within and there's something without and the meeting place of, of those two is, you know, is where we find, find meaning, you know, and we find, uh, we find structure and ritual is kind of one of those like sort of liminal grounds where you, you create this space whereby, you know, the inner and the outer can, can kind of meet, And you're sort of, you're speaking the language of the unconscious when you're doing ritual, right? So, you know, it involves like, and that kind of gets us into what, you know, what is ritual? I mean, a lot of people don't even know when you say the word ritual. Well, what does that mean? They might think of a Catholic mass if they have experience with that, or they might think of some sort of Wiccan ceremony if they have experience with that,
1: or if they've been in. Or a routine. routine Sometimes it gets mistaken as a routine if it's a pattern. mm -hmm, Oh, I do this. I put this on. I take this off. Is that really a ritual or is it routine? So it's, Well, some, yeah. I mean,
0: some of them are and some of them aren't. I mean, how think about this. I mean, the, the sort of acts of, a, of someone who, who has a, like an obsessive compulsive disorder is a sort of a ritual that they, they literally will, you know, they've got to follow it perfectly to the T or, or, or there's great psychic imbalance. And so, you know, it becomes a ritual unto itself. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's obsessive and compulsive and they don't have control over it. And that's where, you know, where it becomes, becomes, um, you know, challenging for them to deal with and they, and they want to maybe break those cycles. But we're talking about here, the positive side of ritual where it's, you know, it's spontaneous. It's something that it may have, you know, it may have structure to it, it. It may not. Uh, but it's something that you're choosing to participate in, and it may, you know, most likely will occur at you know similar times throughout the year, and things like this, whatever you know. People often time these things to the calendar and different um, natural events, equinoxes, or or you know full moons, or things you know things of this of this nature. Um, you know, religious holidays and so on are, are obviously rituals that that are that are enacted out, and so you know we have those elements of ritual. This is where you know it becomes it becomes challenging to to think about ritual, especially if you're a person who isn't really involved with an organized religion or isn't involved with something like Freemasonry or you know the military where this kind of ritual actually is enacted all the time, or you know a magical group like the golden dawn or 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 you know any of these magical groups that exist today but um you know, this this stuff, those those kinds of groups have have actual ritual and people participate in them. They, they believe in the structure of them to, to you know, to a great degree and, and, and there's a sort of shared a shared meaning and so on. But you know, there's a lot of people who don't, you know, have those kinds of groups and you know, they may be wondering, well then how does ritual apply to me? And Manley Hall even makes the point of talking about that in this in this pamphlet. And he talks about how, you know, today, especially in the individualistic type world that we live in you know, those external rituals, you know, may or may not serve an individual. So at that point, then, you know, what does one do? Um, and, you know, again, we're going to get a little bit more into that at the end of this, but I just wanted to kind of introduce that idea right away that, you know, there are, there are there are ways to still participate in ritual and to make it meaningful for yourself, even if you're not involved specifically in a group. However, that that being said, I also think and you know you may or may not agree with me on this but I also think that probably more than ever we need to kind of either go back to certain certain groups with a new understanding and types of rituals with a new a new fresh understanding you know sort of a recreation of some of the old and ancient things or we need to begin creating new rituals that you know that are that serve us archetypally um, and, and group settings where people feel more comfortable, you know, doing that work and don't feel like they're, you know, forcing themselves into something like a, you know, like a church that they don't really agree with all of the the dogma, for example, or, you know, a group that they feel is exclusive of this or that person. And so they don't want to join it and, you know, things like that. So we're, we're we've got to create some new groups and some new ritual settings that, That work for us with our understandings and our beliefs today, but still reflect those archetypal ideals, for example, of love and charity and compassion and self-sacrifice and order and discipline and some of these things that have fallen out of fashion, because those are the, you know, those are the bricks and the foundation upon which a a decent society is built, a society that, you know, that functions and serves all of its people. There's, you know, you need you need a certain amount of ritual, a certain amount of order, and a certain amount of of coherence. Otherwise, society falls apart. And that's what happened, you know, when the Roman Empire fell apart. It fell into the barbarian disarray once, once it crumbled. And then to some degree, Christianity brought some order back to it. But, you know, you can see what happens when society begins to fall apart. Um, and it's not a pretty picture.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: So this is where, you know, if we can, as individuals, you know, start to recreate some of these groups, create new groups, or do these rituals on our own that create meaning for us so we can still be a sort of viable member of society, a productive member of society that still is able to be connected to the spiritual and internal world. You know, but still obviously go about our business, doing our jobs and, you know, living our family lives and, you know, being out there if we're protesting something we don't believe in and so on. You know, these sorts of things, um, you know, these sorts of things, you know, the ritual and the spiritual groups and traditions and things that we belong to have to reflect our values and beliefs, right? So, you know, so, you go, go ahead.
1: They do, and um, I guess this leads to, you know, what's the function and purpose of ritual uh and that may help define or help at least get closer to to what is it that we need to do today that ritual maybe did to another culture at a different Mm -hmm. time um under that paradigm say of animal spirits or with the greeks Uh, drama was a big and and the myths Mm -hmm. was such a big part of their culture so no wonder the religion was a very mythic very dramatic all these you know larger than life characters that populated it was a it was another it was a great chorus it was a it was just another and the plays were about the gods and or they involved the gods yeah. so they were they were kind of a drama based culture that had drama gods and goddesses um so what what are these and they're archetypes so what are these archetypes they might include science they might include you know technology um, a lot of the things that have happened in the last you know, say two to 500 years since the Renaissance, um, you know, where are we now and how do we look at things now in such a way that, um, that a new ritual or, or just a re, I don't think anything's really new if we're dealing with archetypes, yeah. um, but what was kind of the new facade, yeah. uh, you know, what's, what's the, what's on the surface that uh, underneath sure. uh, is, is, uh, you know, upholding uh from the archetypal universal yeah. level well you know what do we need to do you know we just like the the allegory you gave at the beginning you know we've you know the elders of you know are out of touch so the you know grown-ups are bewildered and the children are running mm-hmm. amok so um it's you know what how do we need to be grounded with ourselves and our inner structure and the, the myth all the great myths of time and the religious structures underneath them looked at mythologically and symbolically um, are the stories of our universe and the stories of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Ultimately they have to tell us something about the world we live in and the world that lives within us and how we can reconcile those two and, you know, and make it through life. Okay. Exactly. Um, That's kind of the, and if we're not making it through life, okay. And I would say to a large part, we're not, uh, we're not very well adjusted um in our current state maybe we never really are and it's always in a state of readjustment uh, but i think there's a big one now that the ritual is something grounding it's something um, that helps connect us with what we are disconnected yeah. from
0: yeah yeah that's a great point i want to read this from uh, psychology or religious ritual this is on page twenty. Uh, Manley Hall says the ritual drama was the most complete form of instruction yet devised for the transmission of essential ideas and essential ideas are archetypal ideas it combined many forms of artistry in a vital and living exposition of basic concepts the spectator beheld living pictures unfolding before his eyes the processional sacred dances and the expert groupings of figures were made possible because every part of the ceremony was according to harmonic laws All the arts and sciences were drawn upon and brought together to create the desired effects. Like the Buddhist mandala or meditation symbol, the rites and ceremonies so overwhelmed the beholder that he instinctively took a receptive attitude. The original impact was not intellectual, but emotional. The beauty and solemnity of the proceedings were accepted totally, much as the modern music lover responds to the Wagnerian opera dramas. I don't know that many people... Are responding to Wagnerian opera dramas these days, but what we might say responding to
1: apocalypse now with the helicopters and <laughs> there you go, but it's very, uh, you know, emotional. No, I... um, yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying, sure. it's like, I
0: think more, yeah, yeah, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> the, maybe the equivalent would be like a, you know, a Marvel, you know, superhero movie or something. But the point is, is that, uh, you know, these, these spectacles, you know, these theatrical spectacles and rituals were designed to get at, A part of ourselves, which is non rational. And that doesn't mean not smart. And it doesn't mean not thinking this means non rational, it's not something you're, you're, you're not using rationality or intellectual energy to get at the meaning you're using other functionality like intuition and, you know, feeling and, you know, different emotional ideas and and apprehension via, you know, the senses beyond thinking, basically. That's the idea. And so you're immersed in it and it creates these transformations within you on an unconscious level that, you know, reading or thinking about or abstracting, it's just not going to happen. And I, I think anyone who's ever experienced a situation you know in ritual or maybe you've maybe let's say you've done you know peyote in a sort of a shaman ceremony or you even you know or if you've went to a catholic mass and it moved you even though you weren't a catholic or you know you were at someone's bar mitzvah or something and you were struck by the beauty and power of the event or, or what have you you know or you're out at a drum circle and you You know, you get swept up in it and you get this sort of primal feeling. All of these things are are ritualistic. And, you know, and that's the thing about it, too, that before we get into talking about, you know, developing your own ritual and so on. sometimes we can find ourselves, you know, starting over with something that maybe when we were a kid didn't work for us, but we're able to come back to and find a different relationship to it we may not agree with all the dogma of it, let's say, for example. But, you know, we go into a ritual service of a particular faith or something with maybe a new attitude, which we need to keep to ourselves sometimes because it runs afoul of the dogma and it just, you know, offends the people that are there. But that's part of the secret of, you know, having, you know, of embodying the mystery is that, you know, all, a lot of these, you know, magic it's one of these things where it's a sort of a secretive art. Alchemy was a secretive art, so the things that are going on within you may have a different understanding of, let's say, you know, the Christian Church than maybe the other people who are there. But it doesn't mean that it's not a valid, you know, representation of something. For you, so what I'm saying it's like you know, you may find that some sort of a traditional religion or spiritual path might work for you uh, if you're able to approach it in a different way you know, and that's one of the interesting things about ritual is there, you know, like I said, the ritual, you know, goes beyond the sort of dogma, It, it, it strikes at the heart of the archetype. So I mean, you see all in like, for example, in the Catholic mass, I mean, that's all, you know, life and death and living and dying gods. And, you know, there's magical elements to it. And it's, you know, it's fascinating when you understand what's what's going on up there. And, you know, I think sometimes people are kind of limited by their their ideas of what they think ritual is or what someone's telling them dogmatically, it means when you start to really open it up and look at it, the mystery behind it and the sort of more spiritual and transformative qualities of it, it's really pretty remarkable. The genius of some of these, some of these traditional faiths, it's just that over time, you know, they've been kind of rendered dogmatic and un you know, unflexible and somewhat, you know, resistant to certain changes which some 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 of that is good because, you know, some 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 things need to have a grounding in something older and some things need to move forward. And that's where we got to sift those things out and find what works for us and things like that. But I just wanted to add that because sometimes it's interesting to think about, you know, maybe there's something from my childhood that I rejected. Then I may go back and visit in a different way, or I may need to create a whole new way of doing things for myself because of the experiences that I've had and the transformative experiences that have, you know, uh, informed me as I've, as I've grown. So, you know, that's a question for, for each and every listener,
1: right, Chris? Right. And there may be things in our immediate sphere uh, that if we maybe just look at them a little bit differently, we go you know what I could ritualize this. This could become part of my daily veneration of the universal spirit that's around me and within me. Every time I make coffee, you know, or you know, you can ritualize things or endow things with meaning, with that connection to that thing. Um, you brought up something about uh, beauty. I think in that quote from from Amel, and he does go on to make you know further points about that. Um, that, you know, architecture from the Vanishian arti- artificers, that um, symmetry and proportion uh, were all built into, you know, even daily objects, yeah. you know, utensils and things that, you know, the, but this sense was, was thought of and it was put into these things, the architecture, uh, everyday things. Um, and it, so beauty is such a great way to connect Um, with this spirit you know the beauty within the beauty without the beauty of helping another person uh, the beauty of a forgiveness and gratitude whatever this could be the beauty of a flower Uh, and I was thought of um, I was thinking of of, you know offerings you know people make an offering say to a in a Buddhist sense you know there's a a Buddha statue and oh you bring an orange or you know Mm here's some flowers Mm -hmm. um, that there's already there's already beauty there's already this it's it's not Buddha doesn't need an orange okay uh, he's doing all right um, but it's the the offering it's the bringing of here I'm offering you, that's what you're we're not worshipping Buddha or the orange you're you're venerating the act of bringing an offering mm-hmm. with an open hand as much as you are the doctrine or anything else like that it's so in ritual you know you're you're participating even if you're just listening to music, whether it's in a, at a concert or, uh, you know, in your headphones, um, you're having an experience with something that's, you know, non-physical, um, and it can conjure up emotions, not necessarily that listening to a song is, you know, would might constitute a ritual, but you might have a mixtape um, that, that of songs that are really meaningful, that remind you of something, and you're having a very personal experience with that, and if you can listen to that on the bus on your way to work Mm -hmm. each day uh you're reminded and if you're using it to connect with the message in the song you know the the heart will go on or you know what i mean all right whatever you know that spirit is um you know because that's where ritual Mm -hmm. works it's it vibrates it's the sound of a voice it's you know the musical thing Um, It's a physical thing. Or if, like in these dramas of the mystery schools, uh, whether you're a participant or an observer, an audience uh, member, that you would see, uh, it was more than just seeing something. It's when you really get immersed in a movie and you feel like you're, you know, caught up in -hmm. the thing. That's... that's the way in which rituals work and ritual, you know, dramas is that you are having an experience beyond just being told a yeah. story. Uh, because what that does is when the story is over and the drama's, you know, closes and everybody goes home, you're still taking something yeah. with you. Yeah. Uh, whether it's at a church or, you know, it could be in the theater. It could be, uh, it could be in nature and the smallest thing, watching the way a squirrel, you know, chases the, you know birds away so it can get to the bird theater or something you know what i mean there's a a whole dance of life that plays out in front of us exactly Uh, but again the ritual to connect with i
0: think it's i think you're right about that there's a way to sort of ritualize all the daily experiences um and i think it's also it's all it's it's very valuable to do that and really that's the goal i think though when you know one other thing that's important is to is to try to you know, to create some actual rituals for yourself that that are a little bit um, beyond your ordinary existence. So you can sort of get used to that and tap into some of those, you know, more mystical elements of of life and so on. So that, you know, if you say you've got a, you know, you've got some ritual that you like to do regarding nature or something, for example, like maybe you do something with the four elements, earth, air, fire, and water. Um, You know, by having a little bowl of water on an altar and, you know, you've got a candle, let's say, and maybe a rock representing the earth and maybe a feather representing air or something like this. And, you know, you come up with some kind of poem or prayer that you like to do and, you know, you light your candle and there's there's a lot of different things you can do, but it sort of gets you out of that non-ordinary way of looking at life and sort of into a more altered altered state of looking at things you know and i think that's one of the goals of ritual and you know it certainly was that that in you know in the shamanic traditions and still is today and to you know get in touch with that that spirit world that unconscious you know underworld or whatever you want to call it that exists within us and without Um, But it's a way to sort of travel between those worlds, that ritual, you know, and and you can add to it, you know, by using meditation or certain, you know, incenses and drumming and, you know, relaxation techniques. And there's all kinds of things you can do besides, you know, psychedelics, if that's not your thing, um, you know, that'll put you into that state. So, you know, but that's one of those things, I think, where if you, you know, if you do, if you are interested in that or you want to create your own religion, Not religion, but your own ritual stuff. In some ways, you're going to have to connect it with some sort of a mythology or at least construct some kind of a mythology for yourself, because generally speaking, you know, these rituals do have some sort of cosmic order meaning to them. So you know, you do want to kind of look at the things you're reading and look at the things that interest you and maybe find some commonalities in them. And then you can, you know, sort of create rituals based on those. I want to recommend this book, though. You know, I, I mentioned it earlier, Magical Ritual Methods, William Gray, G-R-A-Y. And it, what's so cool about this book is it's, it's about the sort of archetypal uh, ideas behind ritual, magical rituals. And so it gives you kind of a framework where you can kind of put in your elements that you want to within this sort of framework of of this magical structure that's kind of a bare bones way of kind of getting at some of these rituals. And it's an interesting way to to be able to construct something for yourself. Obviously, there's many, many, many thousands, if not millions of different ways of doing these rituals, you know, and we've got you know the different neo-pagan traditions and obviously you know you've got the magical traditions and kabbalistic traditions and you know we could go on and on african traditions and you know native american traditions and all these different things and you know some of those might might especially be appropriate for us if you know if we have those 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 uh Uh, traditions in us or you know I'm traditions if we're you know we're ethnically drawn to something because that's part of us say we're part Irish and so then you're interested in maybe a Celtic tradition or something you know something in your blood may you know may lead you to to a particular tradition or you you may want to construct your own but this is where you know this is where it becomes kind of challenging you know today because we don't you know most of us have you know mixed backgrounds and so on with different types of heritages and you know different different family members and different ethnic traditions and all this different religious, you know, traditions and so on. So, you know, there was never, there was maybe never one thing that we were or are, and then it becomes challenging and you say to yourself, well, there's so many different things. So what do I, what do I focus on? And I think that the answer is you can either kind of pick one or you can make something, you know, that's sort of syncretism of those things that works for you would be my answer you know and that's what i've kind of done for myself is sort of created this syncretic system that is my own and it's ever developing um but you know it's got different elements from different things that are you know related to my 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 ancestors and so on and also to things that i've learned as i've as i've come along as i'm sure you've constructed things for your, for yourself as well right so
1: um i have and i've used you know different ones at different you know points yeah. in time and uh, there's some I, I do every day. I have a little, you know, passage a day, mm-hmm. uh, book, 365 days, uh, and I've flipped through it, you know, about, probably a dozen times by now. Um, that's part of my daily uh, kind of ritual, and it's to connect with that. One thing I do, though, no matter what the ritual mm-hmm. is, uh, I, it's there's even if it's just a brief moment, a pause to prepare. Um that you create either sacred place or sacred space, uh, sacred headspace. That even if I only have two minutes to do my little ritual or prayer meditation, um, I'm going to take you know 15 seconds of that, <laughs> 90 seconds or whatever, to um, to prepare so that oh, this time, this moment I have is a special time. It's dedicated for that not bringing in a lot of the outside things, um, that this is a time. And I've always, you know, go back to Mr. Rogers neighborhood. And I watched that as a kid and it's, you know, still holds true today when he would come in to the house. Um, you know, the first thing he would do was he would change his sweater, I guess, and, and put some sneakers on from his street show shoes, you know, that this was, you know, it showed that this is a different, time mm-hmm. a different place this is we're going to be doing something and at the end he put his other stuff back on split He did that purposefully um, too by the way yeah oh yeah i mean it's this is the time you know and this so it's it makes mm-hmm. it special even if you don't want to use the word sacred it's it makes it special and and that could be anything it could be just something you you know pull out of your wallet a little a picture mm-hmm. of something that okay but something you connect with yeah. just that yeah like like he he only wears those sneakers and that sweater when he's in the neighborhood and goes to i don't know what is make believe yeah, yeah, or something no, exactly, with the trolley exactly um you know so it's, it, it is it makes it it's, special you know, it's, it's it a, a presentation
0: though of of what you're what you're trying to do through ritual though you are you are changing your ordinary yeah. consciousness to move into a different world and he did that very specifically um and he you know so he was a very intelligent man actually um But that's, that's the type of thing, though, that's a great point. It's the type of thing that you need to do. And that's why I'm saying, you know, there is, Mm -hmm. there is value in ritualizing sort of day to day life. And there's, I think, even greater value, because we don't do it very often in creating rituals that have a special time and place, and maybe a special garment that you put on and some, some incense or some specific candles that you use, you know, and and maybe some imagery or beautiful pictures or some flowers, and maybe there's a small altar that you put together. There's real great value in acting out those sort of dramatic rituals, and you know, like I said, you can either create them yourself or you can adapt them. You know, a lot of the neo pagan religions have really great rituals, and you can find those in you know books like My Starhawk and. Uh, Ray Buckland, and, you know, these are kind of older ones, but uh, always always solid stuff. Um, Cunningham's work, and um, you know, and of course, I, I, I particularly like um, the Western mystery stuff, so I like the uh, the Cicero's book, uh, uh, Tabitha and Chick Cicero, C-I-C-E-R-O, they have self-initiation into the Golden Dawn, that's a fabulous book, if you're interested in sort of Kabbalistic and Western mystery traditions, it's going an to be Egyptian, and Jewish Kabbalism and Rosicrucianism, and a lot of really cool stuff mixed into it, which is really interesting. Um, you think of anything off the top of your head that 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 you know you might suggest for you know creating rituals um, or things that you know what I mean that are already kind of done that people might be able to adapt mm. that stick out to you?
1: Yeah, there's a book. I don't know the uh, forget the author, but the Art of Ritual, I think okay. it's called. Um, and it has a lot to do with it. They're very Earth, you know, kind of mm-hmm. elemental, yeah, you know, four yeah. elements type, four directions, uh, yeah. which I love. Because, uh, you know, you can look at the four elements anywhere and yeah. find them anywhere. Um, and the four directions, you know, I guess unless you're in space, you know, there's, you know, maybe there's six, I don't know. But um, but as long as we're on Earth, you know, we can pretty much find a, a four direction. Uh, there's a medicine circle wherever you live, the medicine <laughs> yeah, realm, that's, So that's a good point. Uh, wherever you stand or sit. Um, Yeah. And so that one, uh, I, you know, actually I got from that book, something very similar to what you were describing. I had, uh, just in a, uh, it was like an Altoids tin. I had a a tea light candle, you know, a little Mm -hmm. feather. Um, I had a little rock and I had a, you know, some matches and, um, and I would fill the thing. I would take everything out, fill the thing up with water, um, have the candle. So I had all my four elements. I had a rock, I had water, I had, Fire uh, and air, and that was my little kind of ritual mm-hmm. in a box, um, very, very portable.
0: that's good,
1: um, you know, and really helped me connect. Um, I had another one that's an image of uh, the four spirit animals uh, in an Incan uh, shamanic tradition uh, that relate to the four directions. Um, I carried, carried that around, I even had that in, taped in my the dashboard of my mm-hmm. car for years. Um, it was a sort of my, you know, yeah. I'm driving and that's sort of reminding me that, oh yes, there, there's this other directional, you know, that was, that was my GPS nice. or GPS. Um, you know, that, uh, you know, just as a, a connector and reminder that wherever yeah. I go, the four directions are with me and I'm with the four directions. Something as simple yeah. as that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, and, um, a bit more, uh, sort of a Jungian approach to this stuff is, uh, Robert Johnson's uh, w- uh, book called *Inner Work*. That's a really, really great uh, practical book uh, that helps you to work with your dreams and active imagination and different types of ritual to work from, you know, from the framework of your own uh, your own psyche as well. And that's another way. Obviously, studying the works of uh, of Jung, of C.G. Jung, and uh, some of his disciples, Edinger and von Franz and Hollis and you know there's a, there's a, there's a lot of great uh, great Jungians out there doing this kind of work as well and, and in a lot of ways this is you know jung was saying the same thing as as manley hall was that we've come into an age where we've got to you know really develop uh, our own uh, our own spiritual path although he drew heavily from alchemy and gnosticism and and so on for his own personal path he did create his own sort of uh, religious attitude towards life and he said that was one of the you know, one of the elements necessary for, for true healing and for true, uh, true individuation to take place. And by individuation, he meant that, you know, the merging of the ego and the self uh, together. And so that, you know, you look at that and, you know, psychologically it's, you know, the sort of totality of the psyche is, is coherent um, with the ego, you know, with the ego in its proper place, but functioning strongly, but still subservient to the, the self um, you know, and if you want to look at it sort of more esoterically, I mean, it would be emerging into the sort of, you know, universal, the Godhead, the, the self with a capital S in the sort of Hindu sense, um, you know, or Vedantan sense. So, you know, those, those, those are, uh, those are some of the, some of the goals of these, these mystical ideas. Uh,
1: well, anything that mm-hmm. can link you, you know, to that greater source, that yeah. higher power, uh, the ritual kind of works mm-hmm. as a bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah you know, communication connector that you know that we're synced up you know that there's a harmony yeah going on yeah with exactly that.
0: Um, and it really that's what the ritual is it's i mean it's a bridge between you know the inner and outer world between the you know the mundane and the spirit world between the you know the 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 relative and the absolute, if you want to call it that whatever i mean it becomes this sort of tangible act. That you know you're you're using different types of movement and you know maybe chanting or prayers or poetry or you know sort of non-rational again non-rational behavior art and um, and you know sort of gestures and and you know spells whatever you want to want to call these different things uh, to, to to connect. To connect, you know, to your inner self, but also to that, uh, that outer cosmic order. Because you know, once you do that, then you realize these things are not different. The inner and the outer are the same. You know, as above, so below. Right. So. Well,
1: well they're already connected. It's putting it's, ourselves, we've a, you know, lost it, yeah. the connect. We've lost the link. It's about getting connected, reconnected already with something there. that's already very much connected. Well, that's even the word religious. Um, uh, religare uh to it means to link back up to uh there's a and it has to do with um ligament the word ligament uh religion ligare um it uh has to do that connecting thing um and in the Hindu tradition yoga uh also means yoke um yoke in a christian sense means a, a burden <laughs> like a you know horse with a yoke on it might uh feel uh, but in the Hindu tradition, the the yoke actually means it's a synchronization thing. So you have two ox or oxen, I suppose, are called. And this yoke is it holds them together. So when they're plowing the field or something, they're moving at the same time because it's more efficient. And that's the yoke that through yoga, through ritual, through veneration, Raja, you know, uh, Bhakti, that you are... Making that connection, you're reinforcing. You're getting on board Mm, with that connection Um, that's already there. So that yoke, that link, it's it's goes to the very heart of the word religion or yoga.
0: Great point. It is a link. And I think that you know those those different rituals, those different ritual aspects and uh, ways of connecting that we've that we've been talking about can really really help with this. So you know, like we said, you know, it could be something where You know, this ritual work can be something that, you know, you come up with yourself. It may, you know, stem from dreams and unconscious fantasies that you've had. It may stem from poetry. It may stem from a religious tradition that you admire. It may come from ancient mythology. It may come from your connection to the earth. These are all different things. It may, you know, be connected to your ancestors or your ancestral family and, you know, maybe the you know, the birthplace from whence they came, something like this, and you're, there's some sort of connection to that. It could, you know, could be some tradition that, you know, you have no connection to whatsoever, but calls you, you know, so these are all different ways that we can, we can draw from, you know, the, the point though, I say with that is, you know, you, you do have to connect some sort of belief and faith into the ritual. Otherwise it's empty gestures. And that's the point of, you know, connecting it to belief or faith or some sort of understanding of the world. Um, or some kind of a, a system or something, you know, that you've understood within your own self or whatever, it's gotta have some deeper sort of transformative meaning to you. Otherwise, you know, it's not a ritual. It's just actions being taken emptily. Emptily? Is that a word? <laughs> I don't think that doesn't sound uh, that doesn't it sound is now. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Let me say that again. It's just empty actions. Let's just simplify it. So, you know, unless there's a connection to, to something to something bigger you know you've got to crack the door open to to that that i the idea that there's a possibility that a cosmic order does exist to some to some degree or or the other and if you know if you don't it's it's pretty difficult to create rituals that have have meaning because ritual itself is designed to you know to get us in touch with something that's invisible And whether that order is within yourself or it's outside or it's both is is kind of inconsequential, because I I do believe that that ritual and that belief will move you towards that harmony and that unity that that you're seeking either way from the outside or from the inside. uh, Eventually, I think you'll find yourself at the center. And I think that that's the point of ritual and the point of the point of uh, spiritual endeavors since that transformation and that that understanding that we, you know, we all share and come from the same source. And we are that source and in that source and of that source, you know, and that is what ritual is essentially is designed to do. So, you know, so think about some of those things. Uh, any other parting words? We're nearing an hour on
1: this. Do you, do you have some other ideas? Sure. Well, I guess going back to the uh, the text, um, Manly Hall states uh, he brings up Taoism mm-hmm. and Laozi, um, and that nature through the observation and contemplation of nature, and natural forces and processes, um, that that is a way of well of being on the way mm-hmm. or the Tao, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's something we can connect with. We are part of. Um, although maybe we're part alien in a sense, um, the human and the being, uh, we live here on earth. And, uh, so we are very much influenced by, uh, nature and the forces Mm -hmm. of nature and subject to, you know, all the natural processes that, that go, go through on here on earth, uh, that observing that connecting with that is another way, um, to, and that can be a ritual in itself is, you know, this veneration of, mm-hmm. of nature. Good point. Um, you know, it could be a, a plant on your desk <laughs> or a goldfish mm-hmm. in a bowl. Uh, I know we live in in a modern society where a lot of these, you know, older rituals, you know, don't make as much sense. You can't have open pit fires and, um, you know, roast a pig's head, you know, or something like maybe you used to be able to do. Um, if, if That's part of your thing. Uh, so it does have to fit, but again, it's that connection. And nature is really a great way to connect because it's mm-hmm. visible; you can see it, and you know it's more powerful than you. There's yeah. hurricanes, and we see, you know, the, the wrath of of nature. But it's also powerfully yeah. giving and nurturing, and um, you know, yeah. beautiful. And you, yeah, and you. And, fair and compassionate you know so if you're connecting with nature as a ritual you're really connecting with some yeah i
0: completely agree i mean there's a harmonious element to it it's um you know it's mysterious and it's balanced and it has its own order and it certainly um is a interconnected you know sort of a system and if you get into the sort of you know the gaia theory then you know the earth itself is a is a living entity you know it's mother earth And there's something very, very powerful in that. And then it's, you know, and then if you look at the Earth in terms of, you know, being a a system of planets and how those are interrelated and how the Earth and the moon work together and so on. I mean, it all, it's all, you know, it's all the same, the same sort of stuff. Um, So that's a that's a great point. You know, and the other thing, too, is sometimes, you know, we say these things like we take it for granted, like, well, you know, it's a modern world and we live in, you know, in this in this place and we can't do this and we can't do that. And then then it begs the question also, you know, why? Why are we living like that? Maybe that maybe we need to think about that. Maybe we need to think about, you know, our our place in, in the system and our and our balance and our and our harmonious interaction with the earth and so on. And maybe we need to question it a little bit more sometimes I think we take it for granted that, Oh, it's a modern world. and We have to live this way. And, you know, I, you know, there's a lot of nice things in it and, you know, civilization is, is, is a a great thing. I'm not, I'm not knocking it, you know, Um, it provides order and survival and, you know, so, so on, but maybe there's a, maybe there's a better way to, you know, to sort of construct a society that, that has more reverence for the natural processes of the earth and has more reverence for, you know, ancient ideas and has more reverence for the idea that there's a spiritual purpose to life and so on. Maybe we don't have to live in a materialistic machine. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's something to ask ourselves. It's like, am I participating in this thing by choice or by habit or by force or because I think I don't have any other way of being or, or you know, is this something I'm consciously participating in? You know, this quote unquote modern or postmodern world that we live in, right? So something to think about and ritual, I think, will help you achieve some of those some of those insights, you know, and you'll begin to see the connection between things and how your actions actually do make a difference and so on. And that's the other thing about ritual is that, you know, you can use it also in a sort of new thought or mind science way to sort of help create new realities for yourself in, in your material existence. That's another use of it, you know, of rit- of ritual.
1: Well, people have um, vision boards that can become part of a ritualized because you're, you know, you're venerating an ideal or a dream or, you know, something higher or better in yourself. And if you're wondering, well, what, you know, what images maybe do I look at? Look where the imbalance is. If we're going to use it as a mind science, uh, you know, topic that if, Say you're procrastinating. You want to be more productive in your life. Well, one of the images you might want to bring up um, are the the bees or the ants uh, from the natural world that are very industrious, or like a blacksmith who's forging something in a fire and this activity. Mm-hmm. And you know that might connect you with this spirit of you know action True that point. you yeah. need. Maybe you're lost too much in your head, or um, you know whatever like the opposite yeah. of what you're feeling. If you can conjure up an archetypal image, then connect with that and put your energy towards that. You're gonna have it in your little notebook and your moment of ritual, your two minutes <laughs> that you have to yourself to do this, you're gonna open it and uh, and see this. And yes, I'm connecting with that because all these things, and this is maybe mm-hmm. the underlying lesson in all this, or uh, one of the underlying points is, uh, these aren't just things out there. They're all things mm-hmm. in here. They're all parts of our yeah. inner self. If we feel cut off from them, or we are yearning f- uh, for them, um, it's not because they're out there somewhere. It's because they're in here, and they need to be connected once again. They need to be drawn out. A lot of ritual is releasing yeah. something that's already in. It's not just you know, oh, the Holy Spirit come into me. Yes, um, but also may the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. flow there out. You go. Of me. Yeah,
0: into into the work <laughs> in that my I'm life. Doing and so so
1: yeah. it's, ritual is expressive, yeah. and it's it's bringing this stuff out that's already there. It's yearning to doing come out of this it's a participatory it. experience. Yes, it's very active. It
0: needs, it needs action, and it needs creativity, and beauty, and drama in it. And that's one of the things we've become so passive and we're so, in some ways we're so easy on ourselves. Like we'll say, well, I'll just make two minutes for this. We'll make eight hours for TV and we'll make two minutes for a ritual. And it's like <laughs> our priorities honestly, and I'm not trying to criticize us because I, you know, I find myself at times doing that. If I'm trying to avoid stuff, you know, I'll go binge watch shows and things like that. But think about how you're using your time because you know, there this passive watching of all this crap has a destructive effect on us. It really does. And, you know, I just wanted to mention that because I think that a lot of times, you know, what ritual can do is be active. It's active in a sort of way that is positive for the unconscious. You're sending it the right messages you're doing, you know, and the unconscious works in imagery. It works in belief. It works in faith, you know, it works in symbolism. And so when you speak to it on the, on the level of ritual, you know, it's very effective. The thing about it is though, when you watch movies and television and commercials, you know, all those people know how to affect your unconscious mind and they do so with great skill, you know, very purposefully. And there's very specific agendas and very specific ideas that are, that are given to you in the, you know, through the media that you take in unconsciously and your unconscious doesn't know the difference between reality and a belief system that's foisted upon you. So my point is, You know, take some time and, you know, make sure you're feeding in the right information. And one of the ways to do that is by doing rituals of meaning for yourself that reinforce your connection to something bigger than just this material consumerist society that we live in. And and again, I'm not knocking it when I say that, but, you know, everything has its pluses and minuses. And we have to be honest about that, you know, and really see the shadow side of things as well as the positive sides of things. You know, and that's when you can become a whole person When you can see the darkness in yourself and not just see it in other people, you know, then then we're getting somewhere, you know, then we're not projecting ourselves out onto other people. And this is the enemy and they're the enemy. And if we could only destroy this, then we'd be happy. And all these utopian ideals that are nonsense. It's just, you know, we got to We got to grow up spiritually. And take, take back those shadow projections. And ritual can be a part of a way to do that because we can do destructive things in ritual and, you know, kind of get out of our system some things. Like if we're trying to get rid of a bad habit or we're trying to, you know, purge something from the past, you know, we can write down these different things and then, you know, burn them ritually or, you know, write some kind of a, you know, crazy off the wall story that gets all of this, you know, this stuff out from within us, and so on. Those are all ritualistic ways of acting out some of those darker things that might be within us, and then not having them harm people. Do you know what I mean? And I think, and I think that's a really important part. So I, I've gone on a little bit too long. I'm sorry about that. Uh, great uh, tacked on, uh, or a great end point for your your thing. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so ritual. Give it some thought. Think about some of these books we've talked about, particularly the uh, the Manly Hall one, The Psychology of Religious Ritual. That's a great, uh, a great place to start. Inner Work, Robert Johnson. Um, what do we got here? Magical Ritual Methods, William Gray, and then the uh, ritual book by uh, Somay S-O-M-E. Uh, thank you for joining us this week. I, I, I wanted to give you one more. Do you have anything else to say? I don't want to cut you off before I go on my long-winded uh, ranting. Well, we can go on and on, but yeah,
1: <laughs> um, yeah. Don't give me that, that shot. I might it, just right? take it. No, we, we covered a lot, and and again, like you said about the activity, it's we yeah. spend a lot of time in our heads. Um, this is something we can do with our, you know, with our bodies and our voice, or you know. Yeah. your nose or whatever you're going to use to express yeah, something in some point. way.
0: Thank you for, for reiterating that. Cause I think that's one of the big things that, you know, that ritual is it's action, you know, it's, it's action and it's, and it, it involves the, the heart mind more than it does the, the head mind. So.
1: Well, think about okay. this. I hear it's a parting shot. The word people say, well, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. Um, okay. Well, what's spiritual? Look at the two words, spirit, mm. ritual, the, word, the word ritual is in spiritual so if you want to be spiritual yes have a lot of spirit it, and
0: do some kind I of ritual <laughs>
1: Exactly. then you're spiritual Very good point all, all right, right. Well, thank you for joining
0: us on the show today if you can support us uh please do we are at cosmic eye uh excuse me we are at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye Uh, My book is available at CosmicEye.org. It's uh, If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. And Chris's book is available on Amazon or on his site, ChrisSheridan.com, and that is called The Spirit in the Sky. Uh, We're here every week uh, with a show on Sunday, and we've got a show on Friday as well, so join us for that. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, We appreciate you who support us, and you who are listening, please uh, share us with your friends when you get a chance. Thanks a lot. Have a great week. Goodbye, and God bless.